It's time for Red Zone Talk, presented by Olympia Orthopedic Associates on 95.3 KGY. A weekly look at high school football in the area with your hosts, Noel Wall and Olympian prep contributor, Dave Weber. Good morning and welcome to the Red Zone. I'm your host, Noel, along with uh, prep reporter Dave Weber. Are you ready for some football? I'm definitely ready. Got a little bit of a cold here, so sorry about my voice, but... uh... Four teams. Oh, we're going to get through it. We will. We will. Four teams played last week. Every single one of them won. Three of them in dramatic fashion. Quite a week for South Sound football. Yeah, we're down to the Elite Eight in each category. And again, four local teams still in. It's Season 5, Episode 12 of Red Zone. The show will be available for podcast on the Red Zone Talk page of KGYFM.com. Enter your student to win free driver's education from our friends at 911 Driving School. As I said last week, uh, we're exploring taking the Red Zone Talk show uh, into the baseball season. It would probably be called Hoop Talk. Not positive, but uh, we are uh, getting so oh, basketball. I said baseball, didn't I? Swinging away, swinging a miss right there. It's going to the basketball season. Uh, we have gotten some positive feedback, so we love that. Uh, we could still use your input. Email rzt at kgyradio.com if you'd like to hear high school basketball coverage on the radio. Hoop Talk would feature both boys and girls varsity coverage. Later today, we've got your interview with Black Hills League All-League Defenders, Julian Kennedy and Jordan Claridge. Yeah, a couple of pretty good players. Jordan's a linebacker. He also plays on the offensive line. And Julian is an interesting story. He's a wide receiver turned into a defensive lineman. And he has thrived in that position. Let's just put it that way. He's made some crunching hits this year. All right. It's going to be fun to, to hear about that later on. First of all, let's take it from the top with Timberline, the 3A South Sound Conference team that's in the hunt. Uh, Timberline is uh, nine and two right now with a victory over Mount Spokane, twenty-two to twenty. Really, really an interesting game. Mount Spokane led most of the way, and then, and by virtue of blocking two of Timberline's extra point attempts, they were up twenty to nineteen. Uh, Timberline drives down into uh, fourth and goal territory inside the five, and despite the fact that two extra point attempts have been blocked, uh, Coach Nick Mullen sent um, his junior kicker Mason Joe Bear. Out to attempt a 21-yard field goal, and Mason made it, but he also made it exciting. He uh, is a left-footed kicker. He pounded it from the right hash towards the left post, banged off the left upright, and on to a successful kick. That's always scary. Sending the cry. <laughs> yeah, from Mullen said he'd never, had a, he'd never had one go in for his team. He'd had him bounce off the upright for a no good, but he yeah. never had one good. But, uh, you know, the kids loved it. After the game, they lifted uh, Mason up on their shoulders for a second and carried him around a little bit, and then, Dropped him down, and uh, you know, so there was a lot of excitement over that win, um, and they had, uh, you know, a lot of other stuff going on in that game. They uh, had uh, three interceptions in the first half from Hunter Campo, and he usually doesn't do that. They had some uncharacteristic uh, bad hands by some of their receivers, and that caused uh, gave a couple opportunities for Mount Spokane to get on the board. And they, when Timberline had tied it at thirteen, the next kickoff got ran back for a touchdown. So it was exciting all the way, and uh, once again, Hunter Campo was a key to everything. He passed for 131 yards, rushed for 132, almost perfect balance there, um, and had some good receptions from uh, uh, Max Onis on uh, and J.J. Graham. A couple of guys caught key passes down on their last touchdown drive. Uh, Campo scored a couple of touchdowns on the ground, and – just exciting down to the end. They had three running backs that uh, backed up Campo for uh, some yardage. 
Noah Cunningham also ran a kickoff back 46 yards, not for a touchdown, but ran it back a good uh, chunk of yardage and had 54 yards rushing on six carries, 21-yard touchdown for Noah. And you'll remember Noah scored a couple of touchdowns on special teams this year where he's recovered earlier, right? other teams' fumbles and gone in. This time he got to do it on offense. A couple other backs, Stanton Hayes carried 10 times for 41 yards, and Jadam Gorman, who bangs it up the middle, he got 11 carries for 63 yards. Um, Mount Spokane, not a bad team at all, but Timberline's defense also played well. They held Mount Spokane to just 155 yards of total offense for the game, shut them out in the second half. So um, just definitely an all-around good effort by Timberline to uh, to beat uh, Mount Spokane. you got to feel sorry for the Wildcats, though. They had to come 333 miles and then to play that game. That's not the hard part. It's the 333 miles going back yep, after the yep. loss. Never, That's the part you hate. Never fun at all. Well, me. nice to get that uh, victory, especially after a couple of miscues. Talked about the the interceptions, that kind of stuff. But you know, here's what it gets you: it gets you a shot at number one, Eastside Catholic tonight at Seattle Memorial Stadium. Yeah, and I think check this if you're going. But I think the start time on that is seven forty-five. That's what I saw. Yeah, not the usual straight up seven. So a little bit later, you got a little extra time to get there if you got to wait till you get off work or what have you. Um, Eastside Catholic's a low. This is going to be a uh, – if Timberline wins, it's going to be a little bit of an upset. Not a huge upset, but they definitely aren't going to be favored. Eastside is the number one seed. Timberline's the eighth seed. That's how bracket works. If you're the eighth seed and you win through, you're going to play the first team or whoever beat them. And they have a junior quarterback in Michael Franklin. He's completed 51% of his passes this year, more than 1,200 yards. They've got a, a deep, deep core of running backs. They've got a five-star Division One recruit in Sam Adams. He's a junior. Guess how many yards he averaged during the season? More than fourteen per carry. So oh wow! Don't want to let that's him. a long run yeah. per carry. That's that's a first down. That's a first yeah, down every, every carry. Time. And then they've also got DeAndre Rogers and G. Scott Jr. Uh, receiving the ball from Franklin. So they're they're a they're a loaded team, and they are the top seed. So you know they say you got to beat the best to be the best. So if Timberline can get that done at the end of the game the other night. Hunter Campau was saying, uh, you know, why not Timberline instead of Eastside Catholic or Bellevue or O'Day. And this is their chance to make that true. Why not Timberline by knocking off the top seed? Three wins to be number one, and uh, tonight is the first step on that. If you can knock off number one, yeah. And they, you know, they the thing about Timberline is that people don't realize, especially looking at their team this year. When you look across the way from uh, the, the press box that we usually sit in, uh, it's a, in the, on the visitor side. You look across at the Timberline sideline. There's not a lot of guys there this year. They usually have a really deep roster. This year, maybe thirty four, thirty something, forty something guys dressed. But they're all good. I mean, they've got guys we've never mentioned on this show. William LaFalea, uh, a defensive uh, lineman, Peter Mavia. Um, you could just go on and on. Jamin Falago, of course, has gotten a lot of publicity. But they have some stellar defenders. Uh, Justin Kuhn, one of their linebackers. And, you know, so there's a lot of talent there that you don't really know about. And that's why I think they have uh, that, uh, what do you call it, a puncher's chance or whatever of taking out Eastside Catholic because they do have some talent all the way around. Any given Friday night. That's right. All right. Again, that's a 7.30, 7.45, I'm sorry, tonight at uh, Seattle's Memorial Stadium. So you'll want to uh, get up there for that. Still to come, we got Yelm, Tumwater, uh, Black Hills, and more. This is RZT on KGY. Hey, we're back with Red Zone Talk, presented by Olympia Orthopedic and Rapid Orthopedic. Going to finish up our look at the 3A, which is Yelm. Yelm's 8-3. and three. Uh, They eked out a win over Lakes 15-14. to 14. Tell me how that worked. Well, it worked in probably the most dramatic fashion uh, you could possibly imagine. 
You know, I don't know how many people read it, but I wrote a big story last week about the history of Yom football and how they hadn't been to the uh, state in 31 years. And their first game that year was at uh, Harry E. Lang Stadium in uh, Lakewood. And they went back there to play a team that plays there every day. Lakes led most of the way. Then they uh, watched as uh, Lakes star quarterback Liam Bladow got knocked out. He had a concussion, had to be helped off the field. Figure you're safe there. But their backup quarterback, Jason Cigar, Jaden Cigar, on the very first play he was in, threw a touchdown pass to Deshaun Wayne. And with 32 seconds left, Lakes is ahead 14-9. Nice try. Good work, Yom. You had a good season. Uh, made it to the you know second round of state or what have you, but that's it. Nope, didn't happen that way. 31 seconds remaining. They get the ball at their own 37 after the kickoff. Tornadoes uh, were in what their coach, Jason Roncola, calls a mayday situation. And first play, Kyle Robinson, their quarterback, hits Cody Gifford, his favorite receiver since they were in the sixth grade. He hits him for 25 yards, moved down the field into uh, Lancer's territory. Very next play, Lancer's forced Robinson out of the pocket. He was trying to roll right. They sent him back left. And Austin Oso, whose original assignment was just a block on that play, he's out there waving his hands. They throw him the ball, catches it, 38-yard touchdown, 15-14, Yelm wins. So, and, and that was the King 5 game of the week that was getting a lot of publicity on the Seattle television right. station. So, you know, you have your first playoff game, first state playoff game in 31 years. I think said second, that, that wasn't right. They had a district game the week before. But first state playoff game in 31 years, you're on uh, – that game wasn't on TV, but it got about 10 minutes of coverage later in the night on uh, one of the big TV stations locally. And you win by one point after the other team seemingly puts you away with 32 seconds to go. So – it doesn't that, get any better than no, that. No, I mean, that is the classic, you know, that's why kids play. I mean, that's the thing. When these guys are 50, they're going to be, remember the time. They won't even have to say remember the time. They'll, yeah. When they talk to each other, they'll be, can you believe we did that? And they never will. You know, they will absolutely never believe they actually pulled that off. It's just uh, just a remarkable effort by them. Um, it wasn't like they weren't playing well before that. Robinson had 12 of 26 completions for 194 yards. Uh, Lake's defense was focused in on their running back, Carson Ament, but he managed to get 62 yards on 19 carries. Cody Fry kicked a field goal, and uh, Robinson had scored on a one-yard run to give them that uh, 9-7 to lead that held up until the final uh, 32 seconds before they had to have all the excitement. But um, as we talked about Timberline running up against a uh, tough opponent, the Tornadoes will run up against an opponent that has a has something on uh, Eastside Catholic, which is not undefeated. Bellevue is. Bellevue's number four. They'll be playing on their home field against the 12-seeded Tornadoes on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Um, so that's going to be a load for the Tornadoes. I mean, 12 times Wolverines have won the 3A tournament. They had to vacate three of those titles because of a cheating scandal, but 12 times the season ended with them hoisting the trophy in the Tacoma. Yeah, so, that's a lot of tradition, a lot of that, history that there. Is, that is a lot. And they have a – the one thing that will be good for Yelm is Yelm played Tumwater. And in the interview we'll hear later, uh, one of the Black Hills guys talks about how Tumwater does the wing tee as good as anybody. Um, so they will have seen the wing tee. Smaller guys than Bellevue puts on the field, but Bellevue runs the wing tee. They've thrown just 21 passes as a team all season long. They're led by junior running back Alex Reed. He has 1,328 yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, Drew Fowler is a short yardage type back for them. He scored 14 touchdowns on 680 yards rushing. So, And that's not the end of it. They've got uh, Joby Schneider, who's a junior. He has 636 yards. So three other backs after him with at least 300 yards on the season. They come at you with a whole bunch of fresh running backs all night long. 
And I haven't seen them play for several years, but when I did see them before, they were uh, really, really good at running that wing tee. They're very deceptive, and they've got great athletes. So you let the deception get you a step or two, and then they got to stop you when you're big and strong. So. Big, big team comes at you like that. They're going to run and dare you to stop them. That could make for a long night. But nonetheless, you know what we've seen from Yelm so far? Um, they have uh, they've stumbled a couple times. They lost to Tumwater, which was a very close game. And they lost to Timberline at the end, but they'd had a dominant victory over Peninsula that's still going. And they pulled this one off against a Lakes team that was seated fifth and expected to beat them. So you never know. You never know what could happen. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't choose to play Bellevue at Bellevue if I was them. That wouldn't be my first choice. Right. Might as well go up there and see what happens. That game is tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock. The other 3A games, Peninsula will face O'Day. And Rainier Beach is pitted against Mountain View. So our next break, uh, up next, we'll uh, cover 2A. We'll start with Tumwater. We still have Black Hills to come. Later, Dave talks with a couple Black Hills All-League defenders. You're listening to Red Zone Talk on Olympia's KGY. And we are back with the Red Zone Talk presented by Olympia Orthopedic and Rapid Orthopedic. And we're here to uh, continue our look at local high school football. Uh, moving to 2A and the Evco teams still in the chase include Tumwater, the T-Birds. Trailed most of the way, but they beat the uh, far-traveling Prosser Mustangs 21-14. to Yeah, and it was uh, Hunter Baker who uh, scored the last two touchdowns, including on a 53-yard run with less than two minutes to play to break the 14-14 tie and give Tumwater the win. He'd scored the only touchdown in the third quarter. As a little bit like Timberline's game, Tumwater was trailing the team from far away but um, held them scoreless in the second half. Um, The only touchdown Tumwater got was a nice one, though. It was a 45-yard pass from Cody Whalen to tight end Scott Dubojski in the first half. Kept them in it at 14-7 at halftime. Then they got the two Baker touchdowns in the second, and Hunter finished with 128 yards on 17 carries. He's been a, a revelation for them, maybe not within their program, but to those of us looking from the outside. The start of the year was Dylan Payne and Dylan Loftus and Zane Murphy. Dylan Payne got hurt. They had to turn to some other running backs, and Hunter Baker um, has just been a, uh, a load for people to bring down. He usually goes up the middle. Uh, takes a lot of punishment, but gets a lot of yardage. So he's come on, and when they needed somebody, we, everybody always talks about Tumwater's depth, and this was a guy that Tumwater needed to step up, and he's done so this year. That's a big deal. Yeah, and uh, Dylan Loftus was uh, still contributing. He had 64 yards on 13 carries in that game. Uh, the previous week he had over 200, so he's he's always lurking around ready to break loose himself. And one of their unsung heroes, uh, junior defensive back Dejon Freeman, he had two more momentum-turning interceptions in this game. He had two against uh, uh, Woodland the week before in the district game. He comes up with two against Prosser. Uh, and he's a junior, uh, kind of a slender defensive back just out there, and then all of a sudden he's got the ball. So I've, I've seen him intercept a bunch of passes. Sure, he had a couple earlier in the season as well. Um, just to mention some uh, other players, Dubojski, Mason Burbage, Jack Prentice, and Patrick Williams were all named first team all 2A Evergreen Conference earlier in the week. And sophomore lineman Jacob Schuster earned Defensive Player of the Year honors as only a sophomore. So um, some good talent, as always, on Tumwater. 
Yeah, and uh, so that's great. They got their win over Prosser, sent the Mustangs packing that long trip back home. Uh, and now they have to, they have kind of an uphill climb. They're going to face number three, Linden. They're playing Linden up at Civic Stadium in Bellingham, and that game is on Saturday at 4 o'clock, I believe. So it uh, must be another game after that in that same stadium. Um, Tumwater did beat Linden last year, 23-21, at Tumwater District Stadium in the first round of state. They uh, Earlier in their uh, the decade, they lost twice in a row to Linden for the title. So this is a... Uh, traditional rivalry that only takes place after the season is over. You don't, uh, they get Black Hills every year, but Linden is kind of their postseason rival. Postseason grudge match. And Linden's 10-0. and They beat a team from not too far away from our area. They downed Eatonville 34-14 last week. And their quarterback uh, had uh, what the newspaper up there in the Linden area called the quarterback cycle. He uh, threw touchdown passes of 45 and 49 yards to Kobe Elsner. He caught a 13-yard scoring pass from uh, James Marsh, and he scored on a three-yard run. So, um, obviously, Brock Hepner is a uh, very versatile player at quarterback. He, he didn't recover a fumble, too? No, not this time. <laughs> he's, he's saving that one, I guess. And uh, Marsh, who threw that one touchdown pass, he ran 60 yards for a touchdown, finished with 135 yards on 15 carries. So, um, they have had a, uh, a variety of players that can do some damage, too. Senior Trevin Melendez. He had a season-high 94 yards on 10 carries. Lions had 462 yards of offense against Eatonville, and 293 of that was on the ground. So they're going to be a uh, familiar sight. The Tumwater season practice all the time, a running team. So uh, we'll see what happens when Tumwater gets on the uh, bus to go all the way up there to Bellingham. All right. Long game. It's a ways away. Oh, that was louder than I expected right there. Uh, That was not what I wanted either. But this is what I wanted somehow, and uh, it's not even there. So, well, there we go. I had everything all mixed up. Uh, As normal, when we come back, we'll look at Black Hills Wolves and their big win over Burlington Edison. That is, as Red Zone Talk continues, if I can figure things out here. And welcome back to Red Zone Talk, presented by Olympia Orthopedic Associates and Rapid Orthopedic. Here with Noel and Dave, and we are here to talk about the Black Hills Wolves. They are 11-0, and had a great big win over Burlington Edison, 48-8 to at home last weekend. Yeah, Burlington came in with a losing record. They were 4-5, and something like that coming in. So uh, Wolves expected to do that. We were, we'd been saying there was only two uh, undefeated teams left in 3A, but I think... Uh, Linden also is, and uh, Hawkinson. So only a handful of teams that are still undefeated. Wolves are one of those. They're, they're seated second, uh, which means they are expected to reach the final, and they will have a uh, uh, game this week against Fife that we'll talk about in a minute. But in this game against uh, Burlington, you had the 2A Evco overall most valuable player, Taylor Simmons, the offensive MVP, Ethan Lovelace. And that's interesting because Ethan started the year as a quarterback, Right, ended it as a wide receiver and still was named the offensive MVP despite a position change. Peyton Hoyt, also the, all three of those guys rushed for touchdowns. Quarterback Jaden Coat threw scoring passes to Josh Rogers and Nick Bovenkamp. And you were looking for this on the last game. Lucas Johnson ran back a fumble return for a touchdown from 27 yards out. So variety of ways to score for the uh, Wolves. Uh, Taylor Simmons led them in rushing with 91 yards on 11 carries. Cody completed 7 of 16 passes for 161. 
And Wolves' defense, you know, they've been talked about all year, and these two kids were going to um, hear in the interview, Jordan Claridge, linebacker, and uh, lineman Julian Kennedy, of course, had a big part of that. But um, they allowed just six points in this game. The other two Tiger points came on a safety uh, when Black Hills was tackled in the end zone. And then uh, they had 274 yards of office, offense, did Burlington Edison, but they obviously weren't able to string together too many successful drives. And, you know, they got some good defenders on Black Hills. Kennedy, Claridge, Zach Loveless is a linebacker, the brother of Ethan. He uh, and Lucas Johnson were all named first-team All-Evco on defense. And on offense, you had two offensive linemen, Tate Elliott and Devin Trepto, also earning the first-team honor. So this team, this is a team that's laden with stars. Uh, and they will play seventh-seeded Fife, 10-1, and one, which knocked out North Kitsap last week. And they'll be playing them at home. The only home game for one of the local teams, and that's tonight at 7 p.m. at Tumwater District Stadium. So that might be one that uh, football fans can go out and watch in person. I'm so, hoping to get there myself. Yeah, and yeah. What you're going to see in the Trojans are a uh, run-oriented team. Um, senior quarterback Gannon Guinness thrown a fewer than 80 passes all season long. He's their leading rusher. He averages 81 yards a game, and they do have four running backs though that average at least six yards per carry. Uh, led by Malachi Coke, who has 6.3 yards per carry. Um, again, the uh, the plus side of Black Hills' schedule, this year they got that win over Tumwater that runs the wing tee. Yep. Um, talking to Jordan and Julian, they said from looking at film, Fife is very similar, and they think that Tumwater is probably one of the best around at running that offense, so they feel like they've played and beat the best team at running that offense. Now they're playing Fife. They should be able to have a good chance. All right, let's hear what they have to say. Oh, and I wanted to mention before you play this, um, on most of the answers, Jordan Claridge is going first, and then Julian jumps in. So I didn't didn't do a great job of identifying them as they were speaking, but it's okay. Jordan and Julian. Jordan and Julian. Here they are. All right, we're out here at the practice field at Black Hills High School with Jordan Claridge, linebacker, and Julian Kennedy, defensive lineman. Both were named to the first team all 2A of Coast, so congratulations on that, guys. And, Thank you. Uh, just thinking back to the start of the season, you guys are 11-0 now. You think back to the start of the season. Did you think you'd be here at this point? Uh, I didn't know where the direction of the season was for sure going, but like I knew we wanted to beat Tom Water, and that was that was our big goal this season coming in, and we really wanted to beat Pullman as well because we knew they were going to be a, a ranked 2A opponent coming into that game, and we could really gauge our early season success off of that win against them. So, um, Coming into the season, I didn't really have a know-my-role on the team. So I was kind of late to everything because I was doing other offseason stuff. But once the coaches found my role, they're like, okay, you're going to do this. And I started doing it really well at a high level. And I was really excited to be a part of this great defense. And we expected to be competing in these high-level games and winning them at the start of the season. And we've been doing that. So it was pretty exciting. So was the Tumwater game, was that like, because it came pretty close to the postseason, was that something where you guys felt like, wow, we did this, who knows what else we can do? Yeah, it really was. So like at the beginning of the year, our goal, like all summer long, we're like, let's beat Tumwater, let's beat Tumwater. And then when we beat Tumwater, I remember our, our offensive coordinator, Coach Gaither, he looks at us and goes, all right, now it's time to focus on the bigger and shinier trophy. Like this Pioneer Bowl trophy is cool, but we have a lot bigger things in store for us. So like that really could gauge, like for me that like, I was like, that's a big momentum and how how our postseason success is going to be is what that game entails so yeah beating a returning state finalist that's a that's a big deal and after we did that we're like yeah we got this we're gonna go out and do well in state and a lot has been said about 
Black Hills defense. It's better this year. You got a new coordinator. Blah blah blah. What do you guys actually do differently? Not. It's, it's easy to just say they're better, but what what do you guys do out on the field that's made it better? Well, I don't know if it's like a scheme or like anything, but like I know Coach Johnson. He's a great coach and is like he's been doing this for a long time successfully. But I think the the biggest thing for us on defense is just the mentality that we have. Like we're out there. Like we have this thing called Turnover Tuesdays, so we're always trying to get. We have to get three turnovers in practice in order for it to be a successful practice. So I just think that that's that's really helped us because turnovers are key, but I, it's just the mentality that we have out there. Like we don't want them to gain a single yard on us. We want to punish them every single play. So that's just that's our mentality. Julian, you've done a lot of punishing from what I've seen. I've seen you make some pretty big yeah. hits out there. So what do you have to say about it? Um, I think the new scheme we have, the three-three stack, it's not like the traditional one. It's really aggressive, and we have like a new position called sniper, and that's really helped our defense and like moving guys around. Like I didn't expect me on the D line this year. Yeah. I'm a wide receiver. Yeah, you don't have the typical build of yeah. the D line. Yeah. So now you're going to play Fife, and Fife, from what I can see, they're pretty much of a running team, similar to Tumwater. Do they run the same kind of things as Tumwater, or is it a little bit different? Uh, it's it's pretty similar. Like, I mean, I personally think that Tumwater runs it better, just because they they had Sid Otten for like years and years, and he's just he's a mastermind when it comes to running the Wing T offense. But they definitely have some pretty good athletes on the team, and we can't like, I mean. They're a good football team, so we, it's not a team that like we can overlook. I mean, there's eight teams left in the state playing two-way football, so there's no there's no bad teams left in this tournament. Yeah, um, it's like pretty similar to Tom Waters, and we did fairly well stopping their run, so I'm I'm fairly certain we'll stop their run. I'm pretty excited about it. So, last question: How good do you guys feel being at home for the quarterfinal game? Feels great. Like. I don't know what it is. It's just like that home that home crowd atmosphere is always awesome to be in front of. Like, I mean, it's it's cool playing other places and playing those away games, but you just know coming into that stadium that everyone there supports you and is there and wanting you to win. And it's just it's an awesome feeling getting to getting to play in front of your home crowd. Yeah, um, like Jordan said, just having the home crowd it's really nice. I really like our blue jerseys. We've worn them a lot of our games. We've only been away four times a season. We've been on a really long home stand this playoffs and. That's really great, seeing our home crowd and our student section gets me really excited. All right, well, good luck on Friday. Uh, abrupt ending there, but uh, I like his fashion statement. He likes the blue uniforms. Yeah, the blue uniforms, I, you know, they're blue uniforms. I, don't, I wouldn't notice any different, but then I'm not wearing it. But, so, you know, I, I guess I, I think maybe his point was the idea of being at home yeah, so yeah. much because he talked about the home crowd and that being important. So good reason to go to the game tonight. Yeah, I mean they they uh you know and for them to be this good for this deep into the season that's kind of a new thing for them. They've had some good teams in the past. I don't think they've been as strangers to the tournament as Yelm was before this year, but um for them to be seated second with a well, this was the first year they had a home game in the state tournament. Yeah. And now they're going to have their second home game in the state tournament. So um they they worked hard to get that and uh the Tumwater win was a big part of that cuz it kept them undefeated in their league and gave them a a good seating coming out of that, and then they were able to impress the uh, seating committee going into state and got that number two seed behind Hawkinson. And we'll see what they do with it against Fife. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, the other two A games are Ellensburg and Liberty, and Hawkinson will play Stillicum. Uh, let's see. In two uh, B, we talk about these teams once in a while. Napavon plays Napavine plays Chewila Saturday, Centralia at one o'clock. Go Tigers! And Adna plays on Alaska tomorrow at 7 at Tumwater Stadium. Those teams, how many times they face each other a year? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe only twice. But, yeah, <laughs> Adna, Adna and on Alaska, those were a couple of the top teams in that 
2B Mountain Division. We talked about that so much when we were covering Rainier, when they were still playing, how difficult that division of that uh, Pacific League is. And now you got to add, and I saw on Alaska get uh, slaughtered by Toledo in the district playoffs, but they had a scenario there where the three teams that lost, three of the teams that lost in the district playoffs came back a couple days later and did one of those Kansas tiebreakers. Oh, yeah. And on Alaska prevailed in that, and they clearly won their first-round game in state. So they've got some momentum. They were, um, you know, the statement that the Onalaska coach made to the Toledo coach after that game was, wow, I didn't expect that. And clearly he was able to use that to motivate his players to uh, not let the season end. So we'll see how they do against Adna. Adna has been uh, – well, actually, Napavine used to be the power in that league, but Adna this year has been the super team in that league. So tough assignment for the loggers, but we'll see what happens. All right, we'll see what happens is right. Congratulations to Ridgefield's girls. Won a uh, state 2A volleyball title. I was there. Yeah, I covered that for the Olympian, and uh, they were extremely excited. They hadn't won a state title of any kind since uh, winning 1A in 1990. Their coach, Sabrina Dobbs, she's been there nine years. They usually are there. If you go over to St. Martin's for the 2A tournament this time of year, you usually see Ridgefield. They usually win a couple of matches at state, and then, boom, Burlington or Tumwater knocks them out. Burlington and Tumwater weren't in the semifinals this year. Tumwater wasn't there at all. And it opened the door for a new champion, and Ridgefield is is it. And there they are. Nice. And it happened close to home at St. Martin's. Yep, they had a, they had a decent crowd there, as as, as did Linden, who they beat. Um, you can Linden because they're used to being – well, both of them. Both of them are used to being there this time of year. So I'm sure that a lot of the students and parents and so forth are like, yeah, that weekend of November, we're at St. Martin's watching State. And, you know, it very rarely is the case that they're not. So they were there to watch the championship match. And uh, two really exciting uh, sets in that that went beyond the 25. One of them was 31-29. And that was in the third set. And in that set, um, the last 18 points before the match point or the set point, either one team tied it or took the lead. So it was that tight. Wow. Obviously, in the overtime part, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, but yeah. Even the, even the last part of the regulation was, was just back and forth. Amazing. Uh, let's see. The, our other teams, volleyball, are, uh, there's a tournament this week. That's uh, at Yakima at the Sun Dome. Defending 3A champ Capital Girls working to defend that title. They open tournament play this morning at 11.45 against Seattle Prep. Yeah, and uh, this is a different year for them. Last year, I remember uh, right about this time, I did an article for the Olympian about them heading to state, and they were like, you know, we've come in second X number of times. Their head coach, Katie Turcott, played on a runner-up team for Capital in 1994, and they had a runner-up team a few years ago, and they were, this time or last year, they were saying it's about time, the girls were saying it's about time Capital wins this. They did. This year, they come back with the proverbial target on their back, but they say it made them better. They say it raised their level because they knew every time they stepped out there, somebody was coming for them, and they just practiced harder and worked harder, and they go into this thing undefeated. All right. And in 4A, Olympia, also in the Sun Dome, begins tournament play at 945. Different route for the Bears. They finished sixth in their league, believe it or not, and they and battled. And they made it. They battled back because that league gets a bunch of uh, bids to districts, so they, they actually came in fourth in their league p- tournament which moved them on, and then they went all the way to the finals of districts, losing to Kent Ridge, so they got a number two seed going on to state. And they it was an interesting little story there. They were saying that after they beat Tahoma in the uh, second game at districts, they heard the uh, Tahoma kids' parents were saying things like, oh, well, you know, that's probably the best Olympia's ever played. And the Olympia girl said, 
yeah, well, what, what if it is? Let's make this our standard from now on. We're going to play this good. Nice. From now on, we'll see what they do. Own it. That's they right. They'll definitely be a, a team that's overlooked going to state. Maybe they can pull in some upsets. Yeah, so that's that's awesome. That's exciting. And again, that starts all today at Yakima uh, swimming. Couple of Black Hills uh, swimmers placed in the state meet. Emma, and you said you knew how to pronounce her name. I hope if Emma's listening, I get this right. Prisbilski, I think it is. And she took third in the five hundred free. That's a long one. And Riley Denny took fourth in the hundred butterfly. I swam that. You got to be out of your mind. Yeah, she likes it though. I talked to her way back in September about it, and. Uh... That's her favorite event. That's awesome. Capitals Camden Martin uh, got a couple, uh, took fifth in the 100-yard backstroke and eighth in the 500-yard freestyle. Yeah, and she had a good a good attitude about it. I did a story on her before the meet, and then I read the coverage of the meet. She didn't get quite get the marks she wanted, but she said, hey, I got in the top eight. I got medals in both my events. And, and she's just a junior, right? She's just a junior, and her goal is she is stalking a couple of 20-year-old records in her events that she hopes to break next year. And uh, Coach Burke Anderson thinks she's got a shot, especially in the 500 free. So um, if you like swimming, come back next year and watch Camden Martin go after those uh, records from way back in the 90s. All right, that's awesome. It is college signing time. There's a whole list in the newspaper, but Ethan Loveless is getting a scholarship, and it's not for football. No, he's getting a baseball scholarship, which is uh, good to see Portland stand by their offer. He's had that elbow problem. Most colleges will stand by it, but you never know, and he's had that that uh, damaged elbow. He is an outfielder. He needs to be able to throw. So uh, very good for the pilots to stick with him, and I'm sure he'll have a great career because if you even talk to Ethan a couple times, you know he's, uh, he's he has that good combination of being driven but having a good attitude about sports and having fun with it, and I think he'll have a great career down there. All right. College ball. Cougars beat Colorado. They're going to host Arizona State. What do we think about that? Uh, actually, isn't it Arizona? Is it Arizona? It's Arizona. Maybe yeah. I got it wrong, but. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and if it is Arizona, they have had uh, they won two games and they had a bye, but so they got a little momentum and a little rest. But I'm pretty sure Wazoo's going to beat them uh, at Martin Stadium after the way they've been playing lately, and with the goal in front of them of of claiming the North and getting into the Pac-12 championship game and winning that, and maybe you know they're they're just just a bit outside the. Uh, BCS right Yeah, now. they're so, really close. You know, if they could get a couple of dramatic victories or resounding victories, particularly in the Pac-12 title game, they may move into that top four and get a chance to play for the national Well, team. they almost need the Huskies to do really well against Oregon State and uh, get yeah. their ranking up another notch or two and then pound them. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's how it's got to work to get you in there. That's, that's what there yeah. is. Yeah, and I think that uh, the first part of that's probably going to happen. Uh, my dad was a Beaver, so I've always rooted for Oregon State, but uh, they're not going to beat the Dogs this week. That's not going to happen. Yep, yep. Seahawks have Sunday off after a Thursday night game, and uh, what do you know? We are kind of right to uh, the end of the show here. Uh, we are, again, working to bring you hoop talk, like red zone talk for basketball, with coverage of both boys and the girls' teams throughout the season. So do us a favor, email rzt at kgyradio.com if you'd like to hear a high school basketball show. Let us know if you know someone who'd like to be a sponsor, too. That's rzt at kgyradio.com. There are just eight teams in each level this weekend. Half of those teams are playing for the last time uh, this season, and half will survive. It's going to rain tonight, but so what? This is the time to get out there and show your support. Right, Dave? Absolutely.
That is absolutely right. So thanks to again to Olympia Orthopedic Associates and Rapid Orthopedic. Thank you for joining us this morning. Find the podcast on KGYFM.com. Email us, that, that is rzt at kgyfm.com. We'll see you tonight at Tumwater Stadium. And join us next Friday morning at 8.30 for Red Zone Talk. And the playoffs continue right here on 95.3 Olympia's very own KGY.